podcast ain't played to buddy my name is steven godfrey at 38 godfrey instagram twitter at blah 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 uh that's richard johnson at rj underscore rights uh that's not your instagram i do this every week why do i have a public instagram and you don't people don't need to see what i put on the gram no oh for friends and God. family only why why did i it break oh. the internet you feel me in a good way all right, this is podcast name play nobody. We're part of the Banner Society at Banner Society Instagram, Twitter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Please sign up for the read option newsletter. Off season's the in season, baby. Um, and there's no more evidence of that than what we're about to do on this episode. Uh, but we're first, previewing the big game. We are previewing the big game. Um, but first, Richard, I uh, I think I probably get the lion's share of the feedback for this program uh, having co. Nah, they be snitch tagging me too. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, you know, haven't been here since we opened the shop, so to speak. Um, I get most of the feedback. I've never had a higher volume of feedback that was also very polite slash concerned about my mental well-being because <laughs> last week you and I simultaneously discovered that Auburn and Georgia were not playing each other in the the appropriated spot, you know, as history and God intends the week before uh, Thanksgiving. Basically, before Georgia plays Tech and before Auburn plays Alabama, we commented upon this on the air. I don't remember specifically what we said because I never listened to this podcast. Um, if I, I think if I did, I would open up some sort of space-time continuum issue. Uh, that comment set off everyone very, very politely reaching out to me, text, email, Instagram, Twitter DMs, all of this. Hey, buddy, I hope you're okay. <laughs> But don't you remember this being a news item exactly 12 months ago? So sure, sure, damn enough, you forgot it, I forgot it, or maybe we never knew it. I was trying to remember where I was and what I was doing last February, um, but this was in the news cycle for like four or five days. Do you remember this at all? I will say this. I So I was off this week because it's the week of my birthday, and I also, this was the week I fucked my shoulder up. Um, in in parts unknown in New England, snowboarding. That's why Floridians shouldn't snowboard. So I was out of commission this week because Alex published the story February twentieth, twenty nineteen. So I'm mm. the one that gets the pass. Mm. I don't. I have zero institutional memory of this whatsoever. I find that a little a little odd. So, I remembered it when people sent it to me. Well, we got it. I remember everyone hearing was, of it. Everyone was very nice about it. Um, so God bless the listenership because there was no like, you stupid asshole. I thought you were professional. I mean, I get that in my mentions, but that's usually just Mississippi State fans. Um, so yes, I'm just going to go ahead and read. Um, I'm just arbitrarily using this one. I think my buddy Jeremy over at CBS sent this to me. So this is from the old Atlanta Journal Constitution. I don't know what the hell media is doing anymore. Uh, Chip Towers, shout out. Uh, Georgia and Auburn are definitely going to move their annual game to an early fall date starting in the 2020 season. Now, Richard, as I read this, I remember that I was aware of this headline and had absorbed this information, but forgot that we were headed into 2020 so fast. I am just now growing aware of the speed of which I am hurtling towards my own demise. Um, because last year I was like, oh, 2020, that's a decade away. It's not. It's now. Um, this, of course, obviously affects the Bulldogs in Tennessee as they are switching dates as well. Uh, there's a bunch of blah, 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 blah. Um, there's a lot of posturing here. And this, probably the, the one thing that separated the responses were people who are either Auburn or Georgia fans or just SEC fans in general saying, hey, yeah, this does suck. Um, Georgia fans want to blame Auburn. Auburn fans want to rationalize it. I kind of get this. 
the the you know the genesis of this was Auburn looking around and saying, "Hey, since expansion happened, there was the hiccup where Georgia went to Auburn twice. That was great at the time, but now Auburn has to double up home and road to play Georgia and Alabama in the final two weeks of the season." That's is that a, <laughs> is, is that alone? Is that alone as someone who doesn't like have a part partisanship for either of those programs? I kind of want to say who gives a shit. Like that's your I'm life sorry. in the I, SEC. I like I'm I am probably the le- I'm probably the most apathetic per- person on staff to like every scheduling conversation we like ever have. And I know that I bring it up on the podcast and you know when we talk about teams and we talk about coaching moving, we we discuss the schedule and the future schedule and all that kind of stuff. I know that we bring it up and we discuss it. It's cuz you're a Gator. But like, it's cuz you're a Gator. You guys scheduled to lead you guys scheduled Toledo and Colorado State every September. You never leave your own state. You play one exhibition or exhibition, one neutral site game that you blow out of proportion. And uh, that's your uh, damn, that's your damn schedule until the end of time. Until the end of time. They, they play Florida State every November, and Florida State's not supposed to be an also-ran. They're supposed to be a power, so you have that immediately. Then you give up the home game to go play mm-hmm. in Jacksonville, no. the greatest setting in college football. You can at your therapist if you got a problem with that. Ooh. And who cares if they spend September playing, you know, the Sisters of the Poor because they're supposed to end September playing Tennessee, which is supposed to hold its weight historically in the SEC East. It's not my fault the Vols haven't been able to do shit for the last 15 years. Steve Spurrier got so many Floridians indoctrinated he should start a church. Um, don't Three y'all go on the road. championships. Uh-huh. Y'all go lifetime, on the road. It's the starting it starting is in, in a, the pudding. Starting in a couple years. Shut up for a second. Starting in a couple years, you guys do break that mold, and I will climb out They've of the ditch in a second. Scott Strickland has been poking at that. Um, I think, well, but that's out of necessity. I think you have to. Yeah, they're evolving. They're evolving with the times. And I, um, like, I, I say this, I, I think that for for people like me and of my age, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not in Florida anymore. And mm-hmm. there are reasons that I would come home if Florida was hosting, you know, te- they're hosting Texas in like five or six years, or I think. Um, like, that's something that I'd be excited for and would fly home in a September. Like, I am not going to fly home to watch them play Monroe or okay. UT Martin. Well, how could I interest you in a road game to open the 2023 season at Utah? Because that's happening for your Gators. It's Utah. They have a Colorado. Uh, Colorado. They have Arizona the, State. The- the road game at Colorado is in 29. The road game at Arizona State is in 28. Then they have the um, Texas home and home. And they'll probably add like a neutral at some point. Like they had the neutral against Miami to begin this year. They played Michigan a couple years uh, ago. They'll add some stuff. If you go to fbschedules.com, God bless them. We talk about them every week. Um, there are scheduled games through 2037. That's sort of funny, but it's also just the extension of the Florida State contract. The actual the non Florida State games that they have contracted right now are eleven years from now, which is you guys have a non conference slate of at Texas, Arizona State, and Florida State. You dummies! Um, all right, let's move it's on. It's not dummies if you're going to win all the games and go twelve and zero. So yeah, because that's going to happen. Uh, that's going to George- happen. Uh, Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, Georgia no. Florida. All right, here's the crux of the problem. I had Auburn fans try and mount that argument that I just posed to you. I had Georgia fans bitching and moaning, justifiably so. I get it. Uh, about the game moving, about playing it in the heat, about all this stuff. Richard, shouldn't we just move Auburn to the east and be done? 
Yes, we've said this forever. Uh, if you don't know why Auburn can't move to the East, Auburn can't move to the East basically because uh, Alabama and Tennessee want to keep playing. That's the roughest and easiest way to explain it. There is a pretty simple way to explain everything that you dislike about the Southeastern Conference schedule by going back to the third third Saturday in October in a completely meaningless, I said it one more time, just so they can hear me in the back. You ready? Completely meaningless. You're the one that lives in Tennessee. Fake rivalry game. I live in the heart of where this quote-unquote rivalry is supposed to live, which is I'm an hour and change north of Alabama, and I'm in the state of Tennessee. Hey, let me say it one more time. No one gives a shit about this rivalry. It's fake. If you go back and look at the history of it, it is pocked by massive, massive lopsided winning streaks. Wasn't this it before is, before Saban got there? Hadn't Tennessee won like 10 in a row or something insane? Right. The Fulmer era is all Tennessee. The Saban era is all Alabama. You go back and forth and just look at look at the, the rising tides. So pardon the terrible pun there. It's not compelling i would wager that florida lsu a quote-unquote manufactured rivalry at the created after the first expansion of division play is better now with a fraction of the history than alabama tennessee has ever been can i be clear about this so if you're a georgia fan be pissed at alabama tennessee if you're an auburn fan be pissed at alabama tennessee because the bottom line is auburn should move to the east they should realign. Auburn would play Georgia every year, and then their permanent cross division would obviously be Alabama. It's that simple. The All I right. just like I pulled up the you know how on Wikipedia for the rivalry games, um, they do it like by color, kind of like who won each year. It's just it's funny because if you go back to like roughly World War II, it's like orange, 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 crimson, 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 orange, orange, orange. It's like really funny if you go down the blocks of like eras that show which team was like definitively better than the other throughout like you know the last 40 50 60 years. It is a crime against humanity that we don't have the backyard brawl. We don't have Texas A&M. We don't have even Missouri Kansas which is largely a basketball affair. We don't have these rivalries, but we have this. Okay? Because neither team Now Tennessee fans will tell you how much they want to keep it on the schedule, which is the dumbest thing in the world that Tennessee could be doing right now. Tennessee should just schedule Vanderbilt six times if they think they can beat them. Um, all right. Is there any other pressing issue on scheduling? I felt really bad because we did brain fart the shit out of that. But No, also, I don't think there are any pressing issues around scheduling ever. Play I'm ha- who you play. It's so Floridian. Have a good time. Really, it's so Floridian. Enjoy the games. You only get 12 of them. It's so Floridian. I go to FB schedules almost every day. I mean, I look. I look at the compelling matchups. Like, I'm not gonna say I don't care about like, yeah, LSU's playing Texas this year. Like, that's awesome. But like mm-hmm. the other, the other camp is like, oh, you know, you shouldn't schedule like really, really good teams if you are yourself a good team. Like, and I, it sounds like I'm blasting our own content because we published like scheduling tiers this week on BannerSociety.com. Ryan Nanny and Alex Kirshner, uh, mind melded on that, and it's actually pretty fun to kind of look at and see how we tier teams in college football off the top of our heads. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, man, schedule teams and play games. I, I just, I just kind of have an apathy to the debate. Uh, if I had to put myself in one camp or the other, I, like I think I'm the polar opposite from our buddy Alex Kirshner. Alex is like really into scheduling and like scheduling debates and that kind of stuff. It's just funny. 
it's um it's a strange deal like i'll spend i'll spend a lot of time like pouring over whether this like so just for instance today as we record this is wednesday the 29th two days ago cal announced that they were going to play a one-off game at south bend in notre dame and i'm like why by the way that game's in 2022 so i feel like you can talk about that since that's within the realm of three college football seasons um yeah this is the kind of stuff i fixate on i think it's fascinating all right we could do scheduling all day or at least i could you Mr. floridian cool guy wants to talk about the actual football games you bunch of bullshit um let's move on to the big game the big game what's the big game saturday february 8th that's that's correct yeah the xfl on mm-hmm. abc i don't give a shit about this super bowl go chiefs <laughs> this is gonna be an um, incredible super bowl. i cannot wait yeah it's gonna be really good it's gonna be really good football and i'm gonna have a lot of feels in the feels about kyle shanahan and how good that offense runs and really really hoping mahomes can um just light them the fuck up uh the xfl here's what we're gonna do guys uh we did this last year on the show before richard was a uh was a um permanent co-host we did it for the uh aaf r.i.p anyone remember the aaf real fast if i asked you that is it's incredible how (laughs) quick that went away and i mean Can, can you name one city and their team name like besides the orlando team no what was the Orlando team? Uh, the Orlando Apollos. Okay, yeah, Atlanta they, they was were, the Spurrier coached them. Atlanta was the Legends, and it looked their logo was purple, like it was purple and gold, and the way the font of Legends looked, it was like the most I eighty five strip club shit, and, the, and I loved it. It was so amazing. Um, all right, <laughs> R I P A A F. So guess what? We're gonna do it again this year. We don't give a shit about the XFL in terms of partisanship. Guys, I'm going to watch like a quarter and a half of the first week and then literally not watch it until probably the championship game. However, it is football. It does count. There are a lot of weird associations, hires, just maneuvers that have that have happened here. If you told me this was the beginning of a 10, 15, even 20-year existence of a minor league team that starts playing in February... Richard, we'd be fine with that. That's great, right? No you problem. would? I don't want spring football. You don't? No, I like my offseason. I but, want eight months to my damn self on the weekend, all right? No one's going to ask you to do anything about it. I like the, the concept of spring football is on its face fun. Yes, more football. But I actually do have a theory that in this country, the sparse, I don't know if sparse is the right word, the rarity or the truncated nature of football. It's just four or five months in our calendar. Um, I think that contributed or contributes to its popularity because I do think um, when you create content or when you create anything, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Godfrey? The like creating a void like between seasons or between mm-hmm. episodes or anything like I drives think that demand con- up. Right. I think that contributes yeah. to popularity and scarcity. I, if you have a, if you have a commodity that's valued scarcity in the market, it's going to drive up demand. Right. Um, there's that, um, for a self love didn't fail econ for, I probably did for a self love, um, uh, aspect. Like I want my weekends back. I don't want to care about football on the weekends during the off season. I do so DVR the shit. Months. Um, the DVR other- the shit. It doesn't matter. I mean, here's the beauty of this. If it's a, if it's a quote unquote success, it's a fun place to see some players that we kind of remember, which is what we're going to get to in a minute. Um, it's a it's 
probably going to be really good to nap to as a man approaching 40. Um, it's not going to demand, even in the sports media, any effort on our part. Um, I think it's like if it, if it's just there and it's just there and fine, I think everybody's going to be okay with that. Now, I will say this at the top, and I'm going to kind of throw this to you to better explain. You've talked to some people that are associated with the XFL. Uh, if you remember the initial one season incarnation of the XFL, this was it one, one or was it two? Oh, no, it was, it was one. It was one. It was one. It was LA and San Francisco, and I don't remember what they called their Super Bowl. Um, the million dollar game. I actually, yeah. I, so get and this. Tommy, it was Tommy Maddox was the MVP of the game. I remember that. I actually wrote, um, it's on, I think it's on SBNation.com still. Um, it is a something of a review or something about the million dollar game. Um, I, I think I wrote this last year before the AAF came back. Um, God, I somebody will probably find it. Um, but yeah. Um, this won't be quite as weird and gimmicky of, of an XFL, if you remember. Because it's on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, this won't be quite as strange. However, there are some... Already, like, I will say this, just having a diversified market for football, I think, could actually spur along some innovation and and some cool ideas, right? I mean, like, let's start with this. Explain why the practice squad is so cool for the XFL, of all things. Okay, so I do you want to do that, or do you want to talk about kind of how this XFL was actually birthed, or where do you want to you can start? Do, you can do any of that. That's all fine. right. So I, I think let's let's go back to why the XFL is actually back first and foremost, um, and this is kind of the wrestling story time that I teased. Um, so we know. Yeah, that and Vin- now that I'm not doing one, you've pissed off the entire audience. So well, no, you're doing one at some point. I mean, are you going to talk okay. about the Ric Flair story on this episode? Never. Okay. Never. Okay. So he's not telling the Ric Flair story here. So the wrestling story time is this. The wrestling story time is that when. Uh, Dick Ebersol is a you know NBC icon, uh, brought back Sunday Night Football and all this kind of stuff. Um, Saturday Night Live, resurrected Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live. Live to NBC, a, a producing legend. His son Charlie is in the business as well. Charlie produced, directed um, the XFL Thirty for Thirty, um, that actually got Vince and uh, Dick. Charlie's dad in the same room on camera for I believe the first time since the league dissolved or something like that. It was a cool moment or whatever. Um, so you have worked with not with Vince, but from your life as a mm-hmm. wrestling PR agent, you have at least worked in the same industry as Vince and seen how Vince I was works. A tele- and, I was and, also a television producer. Thank you. And what Vince can do in an industry or for an industry, correct? Yeah, it's it's. Um it's the most uh, aggressive, potent effect in the room. That's what Vince McMahon is. It can be a positive effect or it can be a negative effect, yes. Right. You also do know that Vince can be very famously petty. Oh, my God. Or infamously yeah. petty. Yeah. No, I mean, that's. it is not politically correct. It is not culturally sensitive. It is not... It's not even that. It's not even so much about like a gender, race, creed type of situation with Vince. I don't want to paint a picture of of, of that, but it's just it's so single minded. It, it it is just an it, the anger and the energy and the passion. It's like it, it's like a, a fire hydrant. I mean, the guy and, consolidated and killed regional wrestling across the entire nation to create the WWE. Am I right? I, my favorite Vince McMahon story that I've heard was. 
we when we, so when we were at TNA, we had a, a pretty sizable amount of ex WWE employees for different reasons. So like if you worked in anything like affiliate relations, so if you worked with all the cable and satellite providers, like the same way that like the SEC or the Big Twelve has those people that like correspond with networks and and the, obviously the Pac twelve doesn't because they're dumbasses, but like. We would hire someone, you could hire someone just from the world of cable, or you could hire someone who worked with WWE specifically. It makes sense to do that because the product is, you know, so, so niche. So we would hire a lot of WWE people in different roles is my point. And I think it was a licensing guy. I was telling this story, maybe a marketing guy I was telling the story one time. And like, he's like, I knew that I had just didn't have another marketing job the day that like I was in WWE's tower and I was like gonna they have a gym on site obviously and he was like I'm just gonna catch a quick workout on a Friday afternoon um, and I had this big presentation to on Monday and he's like I walked down to the gym at like 7 30 p.m on a Friday evening and Vince McMahon is doing squats <laughs> on a not free so not freestanding squats but the uh you know like that the kind Smith of like, machine yeah like the sled that you sort of push oh okay yeah the like, um, like a block, not a blocking slide, but something you'll see football guys do in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing squats on one of those a week after having knee surgery on both knees. While he's on a speaker, he's on a speakerphone call to somewhere in Asia or or whatever the corresponding time zone was to like talk about stuff going on in that market for WWE. So he's he's squatting on two surgically repaired knees while he's on a conference call with China. And that's all that like extreme alpha male bullshit stuff that you hear, you see on like Instagram or these motivational speakers talk about Vince McMahon dwarfs all of that shit all the time. Right. (laughs) With the exception of maybe like ex military people, I guess Vince McMahon is more alpha than any of those purported crazy you know uh rise and grind dumbasses that you see on social media vince is that incarnate east carolina legend vince mcmahon east carolina legend um so we go back to to charlie eversall uh charlie charlie eversall uh was the head of the aaf and um you know through the discussions about the 30 for 30 and production of the 30 for 30, it sort of came out that Charlie wanted to start up this spring league again and kind of give it another chance. As a story, I and I think this is reported, Charlie basically went to Vince and was like, hey, can I get the XFL name? Can I can I buy the name off you, the copyright to the name, and brand my league that, or potentially partner with you? And, and at the end, when the AAF was like on life support before they went to that Carolina, uh, Carolina Hurricanes owner, um, Charlie, I believe it was reported that he went back to Vince and was like, hey, you want to invest, da 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 or merge, da 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 So, from there, this is now not reported. This is my own conjecture and theory or whatever. From there, I, I think there is a theory at play here that Vince was like, okay, Charlie wants to start this league again. Fuck that guy. I'm going to bring the XFL back my own self. So, Vince gets his people together and says, we're starting the XFL again. And if you'll remember that very, very first XFL press conference, it's like Vince in front of like a green screen and it's a conference call um, type thing. I don't know if it's on YouTube or whatever. You can go back and watch it. But Vince like doesn't have any details on anything. And I remember it being this like very, very bizarre press conference. And there were no facts. He was kind of railing against people asking questions, probing questions and kind of being a jerk. 
And I think when you go back, it's like, oh, he may not have had any facts or any details to give because he started the thing back again on a whim. And so the XFL says they want to come back. And then Charlie Ebersole has to then move up the date of the AAF's return so that he can beat the XFL to market. And then the AAF runs into all of the problems that they have. Like they hadn't paid UCF the rent for the practice facility. The Arizona mm-hmm. team was calling high school uh, teams because they couldn't practice anywhere. The Orlando team was not insured so they had to practice in Georgia, stay in Jacksonville, and then bus to Orlando to play their games. Um, so there were some very interesting things that the AAF screwed up. Um, there's some also some, I mean, shitty things when the league ended. Like, players were just like, wait, what? Are we going to get paid? Um and you know there it pe- ended I think it ended nastier than people rem- than people remember because no like everyone got fired up on social media the first week of AAF and then by the time the thing ended like I mean obviously the season never like actually finished but we all just sort of forgot in about a month Orlando Apollo pe- AAF champions a lot of people got really screwed over in that deal it was it was bad it was not good so that is that is the wrestling the wrestling story time excuse me um, and that is my conjecture theory have bounced it off a couple people to say, Hey, could that have plausibly happened? Um, and that's kind of how we arrive at where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, so the XFL is starting back up again and the XFL is doing it. I don't want to say the right way because you never really know what the, I mean, they had the UFL was what, 10 years ago. Uh, United Football League was a, another spring league that that started up and and I believe played one full season and failed. You never really know how this is going to work. Um, the XFL does have a broadcast agreement with Fox and ABC, so there is some money to be pumped in there. Oliver Luck, Andrew's dad, former West Virginia athletic director, um, right? Correct. Yes. And uh, NCAA operative um is the commissioner from what i am told vince is pretty hands off the deal here uh vince is kind of letting the the football adults do the football adult stuff um there are a couple no men as opposed to yes men there are a couple no men who were there when the xfl was at its uh, you know beginning at its start like the first go around vince was like oh we're gonna take on the NFL and we're gonna have the rock do the coin toss and we're gonna do that coin toss scramble thing where the two right. guys like ran after the ball and like oh, tackled man. each other and on the first one uh somebody like dislocated a shoulder or something yep. um we're gonna very yeah, dangerous because the because the coin toss was too effeminate or whatever it was that they said um so yeah they are doing a bit of a different they're gonna have more straight up football they're they are doing some uh some different rules um some different pacing on the game. They have the sky judge, which is kind of like a ref eye in the sky thing. And the, the game is going to be paced a little bit different and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so I am interested in the morbid curiosity that we all have into how this is going to play out. Um, I think functionally there are some interesting things about the league as well. Like the XFL had its own, had a group training camp at Houston. That's why if you saw over the last couple of weeks, video was coming out of, you know, XFL Media Day and and practices and and you can see their new kickoff thing in action. It's because they had all their training camps together in Houston. That's like an Oliver Luck thing. Oliver Luck kind of, uh, you know, why are we 
busing everybody or why are we doing this in, in different corners of the country? Let's all do it in one centralized place. Um, so we talked about the practice squad. The XFL has a floating practice squad of, of 40 some odd uh, players who are going to stay in shape and be ready instead of every team having its own practice squad because the teams are not franchised entities like the NFL. The, the, there's not an owner of the uh, whatever Seattle XFL team. It is just part of the umbrella um, under the umbrella of the entire league. So I, I don't know. I don't want to do the the zany talk radio. Will the XFL work or not? Because I don't know. Um, there is going to be an opportunity for some guys to get another shot, both as coaches and as players, and that is always with these spring leagues the real benefit. Did you think that that was going to happen with the AAF? What that it was going to fail? That, no, that guy. We, I mean, I think we kind of all knew it was going to fail. That uh, that there would be enough quality, enough attention to the product that guys would be able to jump back on NFL rosters. Yes, and I think that was wrong. I mean, there are there are there are guys here and there. There are certainly yeah. guys here and there, but. I, by and large, it did not do that. Right. And well, I don't think we, the original XFL, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if the original XFL did that. A handful of guys, He Hate Me went back into yeah. the Yeah, Tommy Maddox. Tommy, Tommy Maddox, of course. I mean, it was a small amount. Uh, there's always guys on the Mendoza line of of quality that, you know, especially in the quarterback play, and we'll get to like, I think Aaron Murray's on, I mean, Aaron Murray's in the AAF and he's on the XFL now. There are guys, especially quarterbacks, that are just trying to get film you know, together to show. So with that there in mind, there are a lot of guys gonna, who want to get back. Yes. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to go through these rosters real fast. And what I'm going to ask Richard Ford, and feel free to play along as well, is that we have to find a rooting interest here. So um, it's a small list of teams, obviously in the inaugural season, they did not want to stretch themselves too far, which I applaud. They're in nothing but NFL markets with the exception of St. Louis, who obviously did house an NFL team at one point. So if you don't know, it's Dallas, Washington, DC, Houston, Los Angeles, New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa makes sense on all of those. You'll notice there's a bunch of major cities that don't have representation. Um, you know, Chicago, Atlanta, any of the Carolinas, Miami, San Francisco, um, slash the entire Bay Area. Um, so I think there's definitely uh, expansion candidacy already kind of lined up. If this thing does work, I would expect to see maybe two to four more franchises. I, I, if I was them and I was smart, I would just kind of gradually roll that out and maybe do like two, like like add Chicago and Atlanta next year if it works out. So the uh, the the dra- the player. I do think we need to do quickly on on roster compensation. So it it ended up kind of being like a fantasy draft how this draft thing worked out. Um, the the draft happened in like five phases, and I'm not really going to get too deep into it. But basically, the quarterbacks kind of get allocated to each team, and some teams took more quarterbacks than than others. A couple teams have three quarterbacks. One team has like one quarterback. Um, so quarterback allocation, and then phase two was offensive linemen. Um, and then they did like front seven DBs, and then there was like an open draft for the rest to fill out your rosters. And they did it in like a snake, um, format kind of. If you play fantasy football, um you know snake draft format that's kind of how they did it and and the player pool kind of consisted on they had eight kind of regional combines i guess you could call them um in and around the xfl cities as they were and that's why and we'll get to this but that's why these rosters end up skewing kind of regionally all the there are no front offices here not really 
there are DPPs, which are director of player personnel for each team, but the head coaches are also the GMs. So the head coaches weren't flying out to all of these every combine, but they were going to the one in their own backyard. The DPPs were going to every combine and could see every player and could bring back reports. There's like a hundred some odd players at every combine. So there was a very sufficient uh, pool of players to pick from. A lot of these players, um, you'll hear like a lot of these guys may have gotten hurt. And if you're hurt like two or three years in a row, then you become damaged goods and you're out of the NFL. So a lot of these guys want to put tape together to say, hey, I'm healthy enough to go eight, ten games and can you know, I can play and hold up physically. Um, there's also the guys who are obviously looking to prove their point or be late bloomers on these rosters as well. So it the the rosters become sort of regional because these are the players that were in these coaching staff's backyard. Um, and these are the guys who these coaching staffs are like, hey, with my eyes, I saw those guys. And, and football people always love to trust their eyes in person. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why scouts get to fly around all over the country, stare at people. Eat free food, stay in a hotel, fly somewhere else, do the same thing over and over. And I will and say, I don't think that that doesn't have merit. And the life of an NFL scout, I'll tell y'all very quickly for a quick digression, it is not glamorous, baby. Some of those West Coast scouts are getting paid like 45 k a year to hang out in parts unknown to try to find diamonds in the rough. Um, I've heard of stories of guys living in campers. Um, like like really young guys who just finish up their pro careers and they want to be scouts and they're just like no wife, no kids, no nothing. And they would just like essentially live nomadic. It's kind of appealing. Yeah, I mean, think with, said, said the man with the mortgage and the children. <laughs> I mean, if you think of some of the places that your your college team recruits, whatever your college team is, um, you know, think about where your college is. Look, Pullman, Washington is not exactly accessible. No matter where yeah. you are coming from, unless it's like Seattle. And even then, I don't think it's that accessible. But for my darling Jacksonville Jaguars, their West Coast area scout had to go out there, saw Gardner Minshew. Actually, I believe saw him uh, at Boise or something like that and found Gardner and then they picked Gardner. So, yeah, it is it is not a glamorous life. All right, back to the XFL. All right, ready? All right, we're going to figure out what team we're cheering for. Now, here's the problem. SB Nation slash Banner Society slash like the College Football Consortium. Every day should be Saturday. We all secretly love the city of Houston, even though we have a, like a very strong Atlanta pull in our core. I'm from Georgia. Jason Kirk uh, is from Georgia. Uh, Spencer lives there. We have all, we usually do our meetings there. So instead of just saying we're gonna pick Houston, we're gonna try. I mean, Houston's gonna be my default because you'll see in a second. Like, there's a lot of Godfrey type tendencies here. We're gonna go through and find at least to hell with the rest of banner society. Let's at least find PAPN's team. Okay. Um, I hate to say this as someone who lived in the DC suburbs and has no love for the Washington DC areas, uh, sports fans. They're horrible human beings. That DC logo looks so good, man. This is a, this is an audio format, Richard. We don't want to get too far into the colors and the logos, but podcast is ima- a visual medium. Just imagine your typical modern creative team video game type aesthetic, and that's basically the kind of imagery that you've got here. I will say I like DC's logo the best. Can't go wrong with a dragon in Seattle. Um, I think the colors, though, for Tampa are pretty pretty amazing. So, I, I like St. Louis's. Um, and I like St. Louis's color scheme. I do think that um, New York's uh, logo is pretty cool. It's like a gargoyle type thing. Yeah. St. Louis's logo looks like rejected theme art for like a Zelda game. So they are all again. very Madden created team to move oh, location without a doubt. In franchise mode. 
Mm -hmm. to avoid some sort of trademark issue. All right, XFL, I want you to give me um, our interest level. Uh, Head coach right away, Bob Stoops. So if we were ranking the collegiateness of that, 100% basically. Of Dallas. This is is a Dallas team. The Dallas Renegades. Um, What I've done is I've gone through the roster, Richard, and I want you to tell me how nostalgic you feel. I'm just going to throw a couple names out for you. You ready? Former Oklahoma quarterback Landry Jones. Yeah, buddy. All right. Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy, Auburn running back Cameron Artis Payne. How's that? Does that do anything for you? How's that? Like, we feel nostalgic. Do we want to see any of those people play football again? Yeah, I want to see Cameron Artis Payne play football. Okay. All right. And then here's your one fun fact. Richard, tell the people who Bob Stoops hired to be his offensive coordinator. So, so we've talked a lot. Um, I, I don't know if we've really – we've talked a lot about why Bob Stoops is not currently the Oklahoma head coach. Um, it's because he kind of wanted to step back, take a lighter lift, all that sort of stuff. The XFL is going to be a lighter lift. He doesn't have to go recruiting all over the place um, and that sort of stuff. But Bob, for a, a coaching staff, how mummy is Bob Stoops' offensive coordinator? Hell fucking yeah. And I will give Bob Stoops this. I will always give Bob Stoops this. Bob Stoops is a defensive coach who has never been afraid of the power of offense Mm -mm. and it's because he was weaned on it now after he left kansas state um bob bob coached under hayden fry at iowa and then left kansas state uh and then went to kansas state i'm sure there was a stop in between i'm going off the top of my head and then he went to florida and he was at florida in the mid 90s when spurrier like really had it going um and so Bob has always kind of had this offense, this very, very high-powered offense that he's had to defend around. Now, when your offense is scoring a ton, it doesn't really matter. We've talked about how the air raid can be detrimental to defenses if it is not scoring. Um, but Bob goes from that. He then goes to Oklahoma and after, I think, hires Mike Leach in his third year, the year after they won the national championship, um, hires Mike Leach to be his offensive coordinator and you know they're running the Mike Leach offense and and from there Oklahoma Bob Stoops is a defensive head coach but Oklahoma has been synonymous with offense up through Lincoln Riley in in a couple various different forms and I just think it's funny that you know Bob Stoops comes and and gets his own team again and calls up Hal Mummy and then calls up Scott Spurrier to also be on the staff Yes, that is Steve Spurrier's son. Um, other son. Steve Spurrier Jr. is on Washington State's staff right now? Not anymore. Guess where he is at now? Mississippi State? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, yes. So, yeah, Stoops' Stoops's kind of embrace of offense and, and never really shying away from that throughout his career the last 20, 25 years has just been kind of fun to see for, for a defensive, hard-nosed guy. All right. So, there's your case for the Dallas Roughnecks. Let's move on to the D.C. Defenders head coach. Pep Hamilton, kind of a lower uh, collegiate interest there, obviously. Dallas Renegades. Dallas Renegades. What did I say, Roughnecks? Yeah, oh, that's Houston. Houston. Whatever. No one's going to remember these damn nicknames. Um, okay, can I interest you, Richard, in a Cardale Jones Oh, yes, you can. Ohio State, Oh, right? yes, you can. All right. Do you remember Arizona linebacker Scooby Wright? Yes. Right? Yes, I do. All right. 
Okay. What about former five-star LSU wide receiver? Talk about a guy who feels bad for playing it for LSU when he did. Malachi Dupree. Imagine I mean, that's him basically in- any LSU wide receiver. I know, right? That's like a whole nother. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Uh, uh, can I introduce or can I interest you in uh, Simi Cobb's? Former Indiana wide receiver. I don't know if you remember him. He is the oh, one yeah. who, in the first half of that Ohio State game, I think it was two years ago, like torched Ohio State. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, everybody yeah. was like, who the hell is this guy? And then Ohio State ends up coming back and winning the game. But yeah, Simi Cobbs is on that DC roster. Um, Tyree Jackson, also former Buffalo quarterback, guy with the laser rocket arm, big dude. Seven, seven and a half feet tall. Yeah, came out. Him and Cardell Jones. Look, that is the low key thickest quarterback room in the XFL. Uh. Cardell Jones and Tyreek Jackson in the same quarterback room. Um, that is a beefy, beefy quarterback room. So and again, I don't want to cheer for DC, but yet, like, we have a cool logo, and now we have the chonkiest quarterback room in the league. But it's, I don't want people to think that this is going to be some high flying offense. Pep Hamilton is the head coach of this team. Um, his offensive coordinator is Tanner Engstrand. Um, Engstrand was at Michigan with Pep, was a quality control guy, uh, and shit. came from San, University of San Diego. Now, look. I am, I am uh, this shit. is where I am going with this. Understand that if the Dallas team is going to throw 90 times a game, um, the DC team is going to run 90 times a game. So you have um, two quarterbacks who are ridiculously athletic and have howitzer fucking arms. But and you can and- run you can run really cool play actions. This is what I'm getting at. You can run really cool either quarterback run stuff or you can run pretty neat play action stuff with these guys because let me tell you, this DC team is going to establish the hell out of the run. I, I remember I actually had drinks with Tanner at AFCA a couple of years ago. Um, it was the day of, I believe, a Saints-Panthers uh, NFC divisional playoff game. Um, and... Tanner was like really going off about like the fullback, talking all about the fullback and how the fullbacks like erasure oh eraser in modern football um, has been detrimental to the game and you can't be hard nosed if you don't have a fullback and all this sort of stuff. So look, this DC team with Pep on top and Tanner being the offensive coordinator and let us not uh, overlook Donnell Pumphrey, the NCAA leader in rushing is also on this team. This team is going to hashtag establish it. You bet your bottom dollar. San Diego State's Donnell Pumphrey, the little guy who ran a whole hell of a lot, and San Diego State didn't do much outside of Southern California to promote it. I always dog out San Diego State. They could do so much more as a program in terms of like getting people interested, but I digress. Can you name the 10-year AAC head coach on this staff? Buried in this coaching staff. Oh, oh! Ty, no. I'll do it. I'll do it real fast because we have more teams to get to. Chris Skelfo, blast from the past, former Tulane head coach, buried oh. on this roster. So again, as I'm stretching for anything collegiate to tie people to these teams, I got to say right now, man, that's a fun team to watch. I don't know if I'm going to like to play calling. All right, let's move on to the Houston Roughnecks, not the Dallas Renegades. I already don't like the fact that those are so close together. June Jones, former head coach of Hawaii former head coach of SMU, former head coach of your Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Houston Roughnecks, this is a fun one. Could I interest you, Richard, in a Coney Ely, Missouri defensive end? Yes, was on the other side of Michael Sam on those good Missouri defenses that went back-to-back SEC East champions. Those were 
if you don't remember that Missouri defensive line, they I know were the Michael getting after it, dude. The, the Michael, the, all of that with the sexuality story, I get all that of him coming out. It overshadows people, and like it over, I think it overshadows our view and hindsight of that defensive line. Those were some monsters, yeah. dude. I remember I they was, were getting after it. Yeah, I, I covered a, a couple of those teams in person, and um, Coney Ely was a badass. Uh, do you remember Clemson defensive end Corey Crawford? Kind of in a similar situation where it was like one of many, many, many talented people on a defensive line that no one remembers. Do you remember Sammy Coates, Auburn wide receiver? Yeah, buddy. Sammy yeah, Coates buddy. One of those guys plugged into the Malzahn system that seemed to always be doing things he was just like one of those like never entirely remarkable always present always productive auburn receivers um the weird thing for me here chris miller that there are two that i counted former atlanta falcons players that are assistants for june jones and the houston roughnecks chris miller you got to be kind of like a little bit older than me to remember chris miller former falcons quarterback former oregon quarterback left a high school coaching job when june jones called him up to be his OC. There's a lot of Falcons-ness here. The other thing I'd point out is that um, I guess they're going to run June Jones's offense. Like they're just, are they going to run the straight up? The run and shoot, the old school the run, run and shoot? The old school run and shoot air raid? I guess they are, I right? Mean, I don't know. Cause look, they also have Andre Williams on this roster. He of Boston college fame. Yeah. Um, so they better figure it out. Cause that guy can tote the rock. Uh, not exactly a, uh, I mean, he, I guess he could protect the passer. He's a big right. boy. Let's move on. The LA Wildcats. I want you to check their roster out very quickly while I, I give you a moment, okay? I'm going to vamp for you. All right, I have um, it up. Okay, good. Um, the head coach is Winston Moss. If you're a Packers fan, you probably know who he is. Otherwise, you might not. He's a career assistant in the NFL. Um, I think the, the basically here's the weird thing. It's not really weird. It's actually an important point to make. There are three African-American head coaches on uh, in the XFL currently. Winston Out of eight Moss, teams. Yes. So almost half. Um, it, what if hypothetically without looking about any of the, the players and all this shit, what if like LA wins this thing or LA is an exceptionally well-coached team? Winston Moss is the definition of a guy who got trapped in Rooney purgatory. He was the assistant associate head coach of the Packers under Mike McCarthy. He was in the NFL forever as the, the one a when you're associate head or, or assistant head coach, depending on designation, you are not the two, you are the one a, and you are responsible for so much of the head coach's role. This guy never got over the hump. We've said this about black assistants in the NFL for years. Wouldn't it be weird, hint, hint, if he was suddenly successful when given the platform? Now, on a less serious note, Richard, I've asked you to pull up the X, the LA Wildcats XFL roster because I, it is, um, we're trying to sell these teams to, to college football fans. It's a little thin, man. What, uh, what can you find on this roster to sell me? Uh, one more on the coaching staff. Speaking yeah. of LA, Norm Chow. Yeah, Norm Chow's Norm the OC. Chow, offensive Shout coordinator out. of your Los Angeles Wildcats. He was the offensive coordinator on the very, very, very good USC teams in the early 2000s. Head coach of Hawaii for a little yes. bit? Yes. Also, uh, also the doomed play caller during the absolute shit show that was Vince Young, Jeff Fisher, Tennessee Titans. Quite the era. Um, what can you what can you sell me on this LA Wildcats roster? This it's weird for what we you know we mentioned the regionality of the roster. The LA team, uh, not so much. <laughs> There's not a lot of you know you may 
there's not a lot of old USC guys on this or old kind of Southern California yeah. guys on this. It, it's it is a hodgepodge um, of guys to get through. It's not great. Um, There's no one that really jumps off that you would kind of have that fun, like, oh, yeah, type of moment. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I mean, I guess that means someone can jump up and surprise us. That's about as optimistic as I can be about that. Um, Let's go on to the New York Guardians head coach. Get excited. Kevin Gilbride. What do you know about Kevin Gilbride? Uh, You regale me. Please regale me. I don't have much. Essentially, he was like Eli's OC forever for the Giants. That's about all I got. (laughs) That's it, man. That is is, sure. Sure. Hey, Eli's out the building. Eli's out the building. Richard, Kevin Gilbride was the head coach of an NFL team. I will give you $100 American dollars today if you can name that team. um, You have one shot. I will guess. I will guess the San Diego Chargers. You asshole! You look no, it what, up. no, no! I swear to God! I swear to God! Oh I my did not look God! It up. I swear to God! I didn't look it up. I promise! <laughs> I promise! <laughs> I was I was gonna guess either them or the Raiders because I mean they just cycle through coaches so much. I was like, if it's Holy gonna be anybody, it's gotta shit. be the Chargers. I promise! I didn't look it up. This show is over. I am a hundred dollars poor. <laughs> Oh, I, all right. I owe Richard a hundred dollars. I'm gonna need to do like a payment plan on that. Um, let me get you on some interest. Sure, yeah. And and if Jason Kirk says anything about me welching on bets, don't listen to him. He is a sure. dirty liar. Um, he was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers <laughs> from 1997 to 1998. Holy shit! Okay, one wow. season. Yeah. Wow. Wonder, I mean, yeah. I think I coached the Chargers at one point. Um, the New York Guardians. Uh, I will have some <laughs> the fun New York with this. Guardians. Um, um, okay, my yeah. XFL team. I guess go. Um, uh, North Carolina quarterback Marquise Williams, former Penn State quarterback Matt McGloin, LSU DB Terrence Alexander used to be a, or I mean, I guess he still is, was a freaking beast. Um, can we make this? Can we make a Kevin Gilbride who apparently is also going to be his own OC? Can we can we sex this up at all? Um, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna sex it up, but we can bring it uh, a little bit personal. Um, for, before I go there, I actually do want to highlight um, quickly on the Los Angeles roster: Kermit Whitfield, he of Florida State fame, uh, returned that kickoff in the Auburn National Championship game. Very very smooth runner, fun to watch. Was an exciting player on that Florida State team in 2013 when they won the Natty. I had it in my notes and forgot it. That's Los Angeles. Um, okay, New York. Uh, New York does have uh, Ian Silberman, who is a former Florida Gator who transferred. So how am I going to bring that home? I'm going to bring that home because Ian Silberman um, played at Fleming Island High School in Jacksonville for high school. Really good Fleming Island team. They didn't make the playoffs, however, um, in, I believe, 2008, because they got that as beat by your Buholtz Bobcats 35 to 7 in a district game. Uh, they lost Buholtz, my dear, dear alma mater. I was a young pup at the time on the JV team who was not good enough to come up to varsity at, uh, when the JV season ended, but we did end Fleming Island's season. Go, Bobcats. Is there any, is there any film of you out there? There is, uh, of the few plays that actually got in the game. Uh, there, exa- I was actually on the, f- so my senior year, we were bad, um, because we were 
bad my junior and senior year. Um, we started the year, I think, like 2-0 and and then ended up uh, 3-9 and nine or whatever it was. Mm. Um, and the very last snap of my high school playing career, we were up by a ton, so they actually put me in the game. Um, and I am on the field as the clock winds down to zero and my illustrious high school football career what position? comes to an end. Tell the people uh, what position. Tackle. Offensive tackle. Okay. So you were on the field as you as you close out your career. Yes. Did you, as time was cut, uh, were, you, were you guys kneeling on it or were you running a play we, or what? Uh, I believe we were kneeling on it, yeah. We did won the just, game. Did you just cut the shit out of the, the end in front of you? I should have. I should have. I really should have. I mean, no, I wasn't good just... enough. I wasn't athletic enough to do a cup block. You crazy? Hey, man, just go for the knees. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the dumbest nickname so far. Head coach Jonathan Hayes, longtime Cincinnati Bengals assistant. The fun, weird thing here is that he hired his brother, also a longtime NFL assistant who's a defensive line coach in Tampa for a minute under Dirk Cutter, to be the defensive coordinator, and if you are a hardcore Big Ten purist, Chuck Long is the OC. If you don't know who Chuck Long is, ask your dad or anyone in Iowa. Um, the roster here, I just can't get out of the egg bowl. Um, Nick Fitzgerald and Jordan Tommy are on the same roster. Yeah, buddy, the same quarterback room. Quarterbacks. Um, phew. All uh, right. One more, th- one more time. Nick Fitzgerald and true and Jordan Tommy. If you, if you live in the state of Mississippi, that's the team that you're going to watch. Um, also I throw out real fast, bunch of running backs. You might remember, uh, from Florida, Matt Jones yep. and from Texas A&M. I think people remember both these guys, Christine, Michael and Keith Ford, Christine, Michael, shout out to friend of the program, Natalie Weiner. That is, yeah. that is her boy. She loves Christine. Oh, Michael. Seahawks. Seahawks. Right, right. Seahawks. Yeah, of course. Seahawks. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of SEC on the roster. Um, I guess that kind of makes sense. St. Louis and Memphis are sort of weirdly tied together with like Cardinals and people and stuff. So I guess I guess they're pushing for that Mid South attention. Um, I mean, people in Mississippi will actively follow that team if either one wins that battle. Let's move on to Seattle. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, go through. Oh no, no, no. Uh, Marquette King, Marquette King, uh, Marquette King is a punter. Uh, was with the Broncos for a little bit, but was with the Raiders. He was on the Raiders team um, that I think went to the playoffs a couple years ago before Derek Carr got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Swaggiest punter in the history of the league. Uh, Seattle Dragons. Head coach Jim Zorn, former Washington head coach, former Seattle Seahawks quarterback. If you know your politics, Steve Largent. Or I was thinking of Jack Kemp, actually. Steve Lar- I think Steve Largent's a politician, too, isn't he? I don't um, know. I'm going to Google it now. Uh, anyways, Jim Zorn was like a famous Seahawks quarterback. Speaking um, of Chargers yes. head coaches, Mike Riley, offensive coordinator. I'm not insane. Thank you. Steve Largent, former Republican politician, having served in the U.S. House for from 1994 until 2002. I knew I wasn't insane. There's two of them. It was Kemp and, and Largent from, from Washington State. Anyway, um, all right. This program, program, franchise? Franchise? They're not a franchise. franchise. They're a program. I think program's the right word. They're not program? a franchise. I don't know. Um, could I interest you in a uh, former South Florida quarterback, B.J. Daniels? Yeah, buddy. Tallahassee's own. The one that got could, away. Could I interest you in former, well, not wide receiver at Navy, but Keenan Reynolds? Loved Keenan Reynolds' career. How fun was it to watch Keenan Reynolds at Navy? He was a practice squad wide receiver for the Seahawks, so he made the cut here. And then their starting quarterback, just a quick shout out, 
is uh, Brandon Silvers doesn't mean any probably doesn't mean much to most people. I was in the quarterbacks room for a day and a half at Troy one summer when Brandon was there. Really sharp kid. He has actually won the starting job per Seattle media over BJ Daniels. Um, this is a slightly weird thing. It kind of it doesn't make me question the validity of the league, but you can definitely see what they're aiming for here. There's six ex Seahawks on this roster. So they're definitely trying to lean in on that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's some re- like BJ Daniels was on the Seahawks for a while as, as yes. Russell's backup. It is like I said, it's it's a very regional thing with a couple of these teams, especially like Seattle. I mean, there's no other team kind of close to Seattle. And when that coaching staff kind of gets their eyes on a guy, well, then you're coming. Um, right. Big Will Sutton, uh, a yeah. defensive tackle for Arizona State, is on this team. Um, also, you're going to feel really, really old in a second. Um, okay, Austin. Prol, son of Ricky Prol, oh, is a wide receiver on this team. Ricky Prol, if you don't remember, was part of the greatest show on turf. Do people remember the greatest show on turf? Yeah, the Rams, late 90s, early 2000s Rams, okay. when Mike Martz was the yeah. greatest offensive mind that anybody could think of. Mike Martz was an AAF coach, by the way, I believe. Um, was. Yeah, the Rams. Ricky Prol was, uh, was one of the wide receivers alongside Isaac Bruce and Tori Holt on those teams. God, they lit our ass up. Um, all right, last team, Tampa Bay, the Vipers. Head coach, Mark Trestman of failed Bears fame. He also won like I think three Grey Cups um in the for the Alouettes in the uh Canadian Football League. Mark Trestman made the the big, much publicized jump to the NFL as head coach. He'd been in the league before, but uh was head coach of the Bears, kind of flamed out, moved around. I know he was coaching in Toronto again for the Argonauts. Um, he's in Tampa. So here's your, hey, do you remember? Um, another guy that I covered in person, Quentin Flowers, listed as a running back quarterback, was a quarterback at South, at South Florida. Aaron Murray. Aaron's from Tampa, right? He is. A Tampa plant. Yep. So Aaron Murray on another minor league football roster. He played for the Legends last year and did not look great. He um, had been doing CBS commentary for a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think so. Richard, can you name the leading tackler? In the Patriots comeback win over the Falcons in the Super Bowl? No, I cannot. I'm sure you can. It's, yes, I can. It's former LSU defensive back Jalen Collins. Wow. Uh, one of the most talented DBs I've seen. Completely fucked his career up off the field. Now he is on the Tampa Bay Vipers roster. Wouldn't have to have um, a DB as a leading tackler if you ran a couple times in the second half. Motherfucker. Do I, do I, do I don't need that right now. Anyway, um, uh, this is, this is if you're a Florida Gators fan, this is literally the team for you. I mean, I count one, two, three, four, five, six former Florida players, uh, Antonio Callaway, Mac Brown, Martez Ivy, Colin Thompson, who transferred to Kansas, uh, CeCe Jefferson, DeAndre Goolsby, all former Gators on the Tampa Bay team. We talked about regionality. That is that is regionality, let me tell you. Um, so the Tampa team is is uh, is pretty fun all for right, my so purposes. The time has come. Are you leaning any which way? I think I'm kind of leaning to D.C. because I sort of want to see if D.C. is going to establish it, if D.C. is going to weaponize play action um, and go over the top and 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 kind of run that sort of offense. So going in, I was like, man, just don't cheer for Houston because you always pull for Houston or Seattle. Like, I just have, like, cities and, like, we were at work the other day and I was talking about how, like, God, Seattle's new hockey team, their logo looks so much cooler than Nashville's. I always wanted to secretly be a Seattle sports fan. So I thought going into this, I'm either going to cheer for Houston or St. Louis. Richard, in a stunning upset, 
especially as someone who had to live in Prince William County for 10 years of his life, I am also going to pull for the DC team. This All is right. really weird. I don't know how we feel about this. We're watching DC think, podcast. I, I just think that like, could this legit, I mean, just let's be legit for a second. Could Cardell get back in the league off of this? I, what all of these guys obviously want to get in the league or back in the league. Yeah. Um, you know what, what, what does Cardell have to do? I think that the NFL, as it is presently constituted, the copycat league that it is, just showed that if you structure your offense around a certain type of quarterback that seems to be the present and future of the league, you can yeah. have a lot of success. There will always be room for statuesque pocket guys. That's fine. Um, but if you if you structure your system around a quarterback running game um, – to add a plus one, to make defenses defend all 11 people, you can really make some hay in today's NFL. And Cardell Jones can do that. All right. So I'm, we're going Houston – or sorry, we're going D.C. officially. I think I'm going to use Houston as my pocket, my backup team to, to like kind of pay attention to. And then which team, in your estimation right now, will be the shittiest, most unwatchable product on the field? I Actually, apparently the Seattle team is like a heavy underdog. To win, you okay. know, the champion championship odds. The Seattle team is like a heavy underdog. Um, but I will Do say we this: know Why? No, I'm not sure. I, I mean, the roster has got to be the reason. But okay. um, or the depth chart, but that is in Vegas. That our friends in the desert do not like them. I will say this: Look, if anybody from the XFL is listening to this podcast, I, I would love to potentially be on the field for a New York Guardians game at some look point at you in time. Chilling. Wow. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I want a helmet. I mean, we, have fr- we have friends that can make that dream happen. Make much, my dream a reality. How much free shit can we get out of this? If I started um, this podcast saying I didn't want spring football, and now I said I want to be on the field in Giant yeah, Stadium to uh-huh. watch the New York Guardians. Typical millennial. You're just turning it into self-promoting content. Um, how's this? This is, by the way, this is how you work PR, young man. You ready? <clears throat> you want the XFL to love you? There's four kickoff games on on. Saturday, February 8th, and Sunday, February 9th. Seattle goes to D.C. on ABC. L.A. goes to Houston on Fox. And then on Sunday, Tampa goes to New York on Fox. And St. Louis goes to Dallas on ESPN. I did that, one, to help you shill. Two, they have ABC and Fox and ESPN lined up. This is another reason that they're going to be more successful than the American – or the what the hell it was called, the AAF. Because the AAF was largely relegated to CBS Sports Network on the, the the little scene conference USA cable deal. This being on network television is a big damn deal. And it's going to attract people that the AAF never could. Yeah, I mean on a Saturday after that's what they want. Saturday they want Saturday afternoon programming. They Give me just, that dad nap. Give me that dad nap right there. By the way, I will be almost certainly coming home from the hospital with a newborn on Saturday, February eighth, or like some somewhere in that range. A delirious nap situation mid-afternoon, I am very much down for some XFL viewing. Also, if anybody, you know, if you happen to be having surgery or a medical procedure in the near future, you can chill out on the couch and watch sports all weekend. The XFL you, is here for are you. you. Are you low-key tagging my vasectomy? Snitch tagging? I don't know. <laughs> Um, I have to wait a little bit, according to my wife. Um, also, like she doesn't want me incapacitated at all when I'm, you know, waiting on her hand and foot. So, 
No, Richard, I'm going to get my nuts cut later on. It'll probably be basketball season, okay? All right, we're going to leave the podcast ending uh, talking about your testicles. You did it, not me. Uh, uh, Programming note as we get out of here, we are are running to a meeting. Um, I will, uh, I tell you what, let's all go to Instagram, uh, 38 Godfrey. I will be jumping off of PAPN temporarily to do paternity leave. Richard will be here. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. He's going to just ruin this place. Um, yeah, buddy. This, is very, this is very much like I'm going out of town. Don't throw a party. Don't throw a party. Don't throw a party. Knowing that like when I'm 50 miles out of town, there's a fucking party. Oh, yeah. But um, you won't even get three exits down the road before the homies come over. God. Um, just, also delivering, delivering the keg as I leave. You guys also, don't biscuit, beer anymore. Biscuit content will continue on the Banner Society Instagram uh, as we continue on the biscuit journey. Oh, Insta for old Super Bowl Sunday. Because uh, I, I know we're not having the kid before the Super Bowl. Uh, well, I th- I think I feel yeah, I know. I, I think we're not having the kid before the Super Bowl. Um, I am doing Insta for olds on Super Bowl Sunday morning. But anyway, um, I will update y'all on when I'm jumping off of the PAPN carousel for a bit. I will be back. The show is not going anywhere. All is fine. This is just normal paternity leave. Okay, so I'll maybe see you guys next week. <laughs>